Whether you're starting a business, or you're trying to get your business to the next level, there is always this big question of how you are going to fund that. And there are a variety of different options out there from VCs to angels, loans, grants, which do you choose? In this interview, I speak with Lauren, the CEO and co-founder of Funder. And she talks all about the things that you need to consider before you go searching for funding. And in this training, we go deep and talking a lot about her new venture, Funder, and how they are working towards solving the funding bias that is so prevalent in the investment space. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. So I am super excited to introduce everyone here in the audience to Lauren Washington. She is the co-founder and CEO of Funder. And I really can't wait to dive into today's training because it's a topic that almost every business goes through at some point or considers at some point is how to get funding to either start their business or grow their business to that next level and be able to get some investment in so that you can have some running capital to start either investing in that next thing or be able to grow and expand the business in some way. So super excited to really jump into this training because I think it's so relevant to so many different businesses. And just to start off, Lauren, I'd love for you to say one maybe common misconception that people generally have about funding and the actual truth behind it. Yeah, I love that question. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm really excited to chat with you. I would say one big misconception is that funding is a one size fits all for certain businesses and people as well. But the truth is, even though VC gets, I think, a lot of the airtime in terms of media and conversations it's not right for every person and it's not right for every business. And then also understanding whether you want to take funding on through equity, debt, through grants, through loans, through whatever it is, understanding what that means for your business and how it's going to move your business forward and what that actually means for yourself. Because I think a lot of people become entrepreneurs for freedom. And when you take on different types of funding, it can shift that in different types of ways. So just really being aware before you go down certain paths, is this really aligning to the financial goals for yourself or for your business? Definitely. And what have you seen has been an example of where a entrepreneur maybe found themselves in a situation where the funding really wasn't a right fit for them and you know what that kind of looks like? Yeah, I have been in that situation. So I can give that- Definitely, uh, go for it. My, <laughs> example. From myself. Yeah, right. I think it, this the company that I'm building now is my fourth business and I've taken different paths in each of them to funding. The first company I had, I took funding very early. We were about two months post-launch and we had won $250,000 through the 43 North business competition up in Buffalo. And it really was not the right time for us to take that funding. Even though we got it and we were really excited about it, we hadn't built out anything where we could take that money and really start 
using it as fuel within the business to move it forward. It ended up burning through in order to figure out what our product was and what our market was. So I think that was really an example of not taking funding in the right way. My second business, we didn't take on any funding. So we ended up building it pretty organically. We were able to bring revenue in and grow using that revenue. But again, it's a different lifestyle choice because we couldn't grow as quickly as some of our competitors, but it was really important for us to have that business be really authentic because of who our audience was. And we didn't want to take outside funding where they were telling us necessarily what we should do with the business. The reason we had been able to grow at that pace and grow so quickly was because internally we had a good compass on that and we didn't want to muddy the waters there with other investors. We did end up taking loans later down the path in order to kind of help with cash flow pieces. But again, like we were able to pay those back because of revenue coming in. So it didn't necessarily dilute or shift the vision that we had for that business. So I'd say those are two really different ways of approaching funding and why. Yeah, definitely. There's always different options that, that you really have to weigh because if you're looking at a loan, you might have to pay it off like over a certain period of time and whether you want to really have that kind of tied to your business in a way. And then you're also looking at in terms of taking on an investor or a VC, like how much are they going to be involved or want to know what's going on in your business and want to steer it in certain directions. And you have to really consider that and whether you actually want them to have so much of an input when you're, if you're having a green business or you're growing some type of business that's really has that arrow, like you mentioned, that has that very strict focus that you're trying to accomplish. And when you put more and more people and bring them in, they have different ideas and they have different visions. And when they got money in it, they can make the business do things that you might not want it to do. So it's definitely a consideration for sure. Yeah, I exactly. And I also think the other piece of that and the other consideration is understanding why people are putting money into your business, because it's not necessarily that they're telling you what to do because they just have all these opinions. Like you said, there's a reason why they're putting money in. They have something on the line. They want a return on investment. And so understanding that once you take those funds, you are beholden to those investors to give them that return on investment. You are likely going to be moving very quickly and scaling very quickly to get to levels of usually they want 10x return on their cash within 10 years, right? Or less. And so understanding those metrics, you can really go back and deduce whether this makes sense for you. Do I want to grow at this pace? And do I want to get to the level that I need to in order to pay this funding back? Because that means that you are going down a certain trajectory that you might not have if you just built it organically. Yeah, that's definitely a look at it too, because when you start growing very fast, you got to realize like what you want to be doing for your business and what your goal with your business is, because your goal is to become like this huge major corporation. You're going to have to be hiring a lot of people. You're going to have to be really working on a lot of different things. You're going to be really busy. If your goals are to have this business for 
other reasons, maybe you're looking for a little bit more time freedom, or you're looking for a little bit more time with your family, be having all this investment up front might put a lot more pressure on you to like work continuously. And then you're not getting that time with your family. You're not getting that time to have that time for you, maybe to go on vacation. So definitely there's different options that you have to weigh for sure. Absolutely. And there's often a misalignment, I would say, between founders and investors because of exactly what you said. What oftentimes founders see as their vision, maybe I sell for 50 million and for them, that is life-changing. I could have Great. 10% of that and I'm set for life. For investors, that's not enough. And so when you're sacrificing so much to build up a company, understanding, are we going down the same path and towards the same goals? Because building a billion dollar business, which is often what they're looking for, they're looking for these shot companies or building something that's going to IPO or go public is not the same thing as building a $50 million business. So understanding those two paths and goals are important for you. Yeah, definitely. And what is one thing that you wish every startup or company looking to go get funding, what is something that you'd like them to know? Yeah, I would say to do this kind of work before you go down these paths and before you take funding. And I think sometimes it's hard if you haven't experienced it to understand what that is like and what working with investors and VCs is because there's, like I said, there's a lot of conversation in the media. They, there's a lot of things that are glossed over in terms of that process and in terms of that relationship, but do that work and try to talk to as many people as possible on the founder and the investor side before you go down that route, because it will really help set up the type of business that you're building, how you're building that business, and also what you want to do and understanding your overall. Yeah, definitely. Did you happen to go through that research process beforehand or is this speaking from experience? This is speaking from experience. So <laughs> the company that I mentioned, I just didn't have a lot of access to people before I started that. So I think I had one friend who was in the startup space and I talked to them and they told me perspective and their process. And I said, okay, great. That sounds good. I'll do the same. But honestly, <laughs> that sounds cool. Free money, sure. But that was not really the case. And so I learned truly the hard way with my first business. I had a lot of great learnings around it, but wish I had known more before I went in and took that path. It's not that it was the wrong path for what we were building, but like I said, it was the wrong timing for us and we used the money in the wrong way. Definitely. And I'd like to touch on that you're with this new company that you have with Funder. It's your fourth company, you said? Yeah. So with Funder, what do you help do? What do you guys do at Funder? Yeah. So we're using data and analytics to help empower seed investors to make better decisions. So we remove bias from the process, we create efficiency, and we maximize return on our platform. So on the startup side, if you come on, we'll evaluate your company using our AI, we connect you to investors, and then you can do monthly reporting and tracking long-term to keep that relationship going for your investments. Awesome. That's very cool. And for the investor side, how are you removing that bias and doing those other things that you mentioned? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways. One, just creating standardized data around companies has been proven to remove bias, right? If we're not just using pattern matching and we're not just using our intuition to make decisions, but we're using really hard data and being able to compare companies on that 
is helpful because it acts as a check as you're going through for the internal biases that you might bring in, which we all have. It's not just a single type of person who has a bias. Everyone brings bias into making decisions. And then the second piece is the process, creating a process that is similar across the board. You see this often in HR and you get better results in HR. If you pull everyone through the same process, you ask them the same questions. That's the same idea that we have with this. You're going to have a stronger result at the end because you're not missing certain pieces and everyone is getting that fair chance. And then the third is that our algorithm actually offsets certain biases. So we may ask you how much funding you raised prior to this funding round, but we also know that historically that funding is biased. There's a huge funding gap for women, for underrepresented founders, for LGBTQ community, for all these different areas. And so we're offsetting some of those things that we know are connected to bias within the algorithm. That's really cool. And what kind of got you passionate about doing this? Why did you want to start Funder? It was really just from my other companies. So as I mentioned, my first company was really tough and I didn't have access to the right people. I didn't have the knowledge that I needed. I didn't understand any of the lingo anybody was using. It was really confusing process. And I ended up spending a lot of time just learning and not necessarily growing my business. And then when I started my second company, Black Women Talk Tech, which is a conference series for Black women tech founders, I just heard that same story over and over again, not only on the founder side, but on the investor side as well, from people who are looking to get into the space and break into this and start investing who couldn't do that either, because it's often a black box. You, Like I said, you kind of learn as you go along or you learn from other people who've been in the space. So really creating something that evens that playing field, brings equity to the overall space and gives opportunity to people is something that I've experienced personally. And I've built a community around that has given me the insights to to build this. Yeah, that's really great. I've noticed a lot of entrepreneurs that I've had on here is, oh, I went through this situation. I was like, oh, I'm going to help these other people do this too, because there is a definite need for this as I was going through and struggling. I can definitely help other people since I've solved this problem. So you can like figure out along the way, hey, like there needs to be something out there that does this. So I think that's really awesome. So let's go to the startup side. So for this startup side, what is part of your algorithm that you use to assess the business and those kind of things? Yeah, we look at the same metrics that I would say any early stage investor is looking at. So we're looking at team, who is on your team? How long have you been working together? Do you have complementary skill sets to each other? We have a personality assessment that looks at all of the founders and it's connected to whether they could be a successful founder or not. It's one of the only scientific ways that you can do something like that. We look at your market. So who's in the market? Who are your competitors? Has it been growing quickly? What's the projected growth rate? What's the M&A activity that's been happening over the last couple of years. We look at your overall traction. How much revenue do you have? How did you grow that over the last couple of months or the last year? What is your projected revenue? So we're looking at all these different things. The difference is that actually pulling everything in a quantitative analysis. So it's not that you can add your pitch deck. We have space for that in the data room. It's helpful to have the story around the product. 
but we're asking all of these questions quantitatively so that we can then turn that into data points and then create a score around it. So it's not that we are doing anything totally different in terms of the types of questions we're asking and the way we're evaluating them. What we're doing differently is that we're quantifying all of that. And how are you asking questions like on a scale or how are you quantifying that? If you can go into it, I don't know if that's too proprietary or not. It really just depends on the question. So example, and a lot of the questions interact with each other. So if you, we ask you about your business model and we're saying, are you an ads-based business or are you a SaaS or enterprise-based business? we're connecting that to the number of users that you have. So if you're ads-based and you have a thousand users, that's gonna score very differently from if you are a SaaS company and you have a thousand users. The business model there is totally different. And so it really depends on the question and it really depends on how these questions interact with each other. Yeah, that's really cool. How did you get all of this like the base data for your algorithms? Yeah, it was really around, firstly, my own experience on the investor side. Mm -hmm. I done some angel investing myself. I've been an advisor for a long time. I've been a part of a number of pitch competitions and investment groups. And so really pulling together a lot of the matrices that they often have. So they'll tend to have scorecards where they're doing things like this in their head and quantifying it themselves. We're just taking those scorecards and using them as real data into that to take it to that next level. So using a lot of those pieces, using a lot of studies. So we did a ton of research in terms of what are some of the factors that create successful businesses and some of them are counterintuitive. So how can we pull those in and truly understand what they are versus what are, like I said, that pattern matching when we look into who's a leader and we often see the media loves to have young white men who are building these crazy companies, that's often not a, the most successful leader, and they're often not the the largest demographic either. And so really being cognizant of that, that it's not just about these, whatever the media portrays or whatever we're seeing out there, but what are the true metrics behind this is how we built that up. That's really cool. And how long did you take to gather that data set? Oh gosh, we're still gathering it. Right. Uh, I would say it was probably a good six months to a year, just pulling these sources together, stress testing them, talking to a lot of people, did a ton of research. We talked to a lot of people in universities and researchers who did similar work and they were figuring out how to assess these different startups using data. So we talked to them, augmented that. But truly what's really important in terms of our algorithm is that we're always optimizing it. So it's not that this is static. It's not going to stay the same. We want to grow with these companies and understand as they're evolving on our platform or as things are shifting in the market, how can we react to that as well? Yeah, definitely. Things are always going to change. And that's a wonderful thing about you having it as a machine learning algorithm and all of this is that the algorithm will adapt to these new situations as you feel at new data, but instead of human beings where once we form a idea or we form a pattern recognition that we use, then we usually stick to that. And it's really hard to not do that after we've decided that this is the way it goes, because just part of our psychology and our brain trying to make things easier for us, we try to say, okay, this is how we're going to assess different companies. And then it takes a lot of data for us to change our mind. But for the machine learning algorithm, it can, as soon as that data comes in, it's starting to update. It's starting to learn how these new market dynamics are happening. So it's 
incredible that you guys are able to pull all that data together. It's, it's really cool. So I have a data analysis kind of background. So I'm like geek out about this kind of stuff. So I think it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting for me to be able to be at the forefront of this type of technology. So a Gartner study about a year ago said that in 2025, 75% of VC decisions are going to include AI in some capacity. Well, couple years from now, right? And yeah. it was from 5% last year. So that's a huge jump where we're bringing all of this data, we're bringing this technology in. From my perspective, I really want to make sure that we're not exacerbating the funding gaps that we currently have. And like you said, we have this idea of what a good investment might look like. I don't want to necessarily take that and then put that on steroids. I really want to take that and say, okay, is this actually true? How can we use data to help us make better decisions, not just make the same decisions faster? So that's something that I'm really excited about. I'm a data geek as well. And <laughs> really being able to parse through that as a challenge and something that's going to really shift the market in the next couple of years is super exciting for me. I like how you said make better decisions rather than make the same decision, because it's also making decisions based on biases that were like built into the algorithms, which happen a lot too, because if you are basing the algorithm on all this data, but the data is inherently biased because of different factors. Because if you're saying like, oh, the companies typically get funded, but those that are getting funded are because of this inherent bias, then inherently building that bias into this algorithm. And the algorithm is just going to be using that to create these predictions. And so we can't always just take the predictions at face value and say, oh, the algorithm said it. <laughs> like we have to really understand why is it getting to that point and what, what is the process that it's taking to get to those recommendations. And then also using our human brains to assess whether this is a good decision or not. So I think there's all sides to that too. What is your eventual hope for this technology in the next two or three years? Yeah, my hope is that it brings more equity to the space. I think we've been having this conversation around the funding gap and around bias in the space for a very long time, for decades. We all know now that it exists. We are trying various solutions. And honestly, the needle has not really budged in the last couple of years. And so I think bringing some more data and some more insights to this process, we're just like throwing things at the wall to see if it's going to change. But we haven't really, as an industry, used that data to drive our decisions. And I think this industry is ripe for that because even though I say this all the time, even though VCs love to disrupt other industries, they don't really disrupt themselves. It's still based on who, it's still based on warm introductions. It's still based on those kind of gut feelings and those gut decision-making. But is that really the best way to move forward? And is that the best way to close this funding gap and get more equitable space so that we can fund incredible ideas that don't look the same and don't have the same pattern that we've been doing in the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. And do you feel like there's going to be a kind of tipping point for this technology to where it's making better decisions? Or do you feel at what point are you going to feel that you've hit the next level kind of thing with this technology? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, I would love to get to the point where we are confident enough to say, we know the top three attributes or 
things that we're looking for that predict a successful company. Because we are capturing all of this data upfront, directly from the customer, directly from the startups, we are doing our monthly reporting. So we're tracking them long-term over time. We're augmenting our machine learning tool to bring all of that new data and update it. That gives us a really high probability that we can get to that point. We're not there yet. I'm not saying that we know how to predict successful companies yet, but that's the goal. And if we can do that, we completely change the game. There's just the amount of value that would bring to the space when it's often, like I said, usually on like gut feeling would be game changing. So that's the long-term goal. Definitely. And how soon do you see that happen? I have no idea. We'll see. It really, I would say hopefully in a few years, it really depends on the growth of the companies, right? right. So starting with them so early, we're at pre-seed seed, it's going to take us a couple of years to, to grow with them so we can right. get to that point and have enough successes and enough failures to be able Able to parse out those things, but I don't have a specific date. On <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it might be fine. I just was wondering if you thought you're like, oh, it's gonna happen in five years. No, I, I'm just curious. Cool. And I'd like to ask, what is some of the top things that an entrepreneur might need to know about raising capital? I know we talked earlier about how it's you got to make sure you're finding the right ones that's going to fit your business and your situation. Are there other things that entrepreneurs should consider before going out there and starting a new raise, looking into new funding opportunities? Yeah, I would say there's a couple of things. One is do your research in terms of who you're talking to. I think oftentimes with people who are new to the space, they'll just go out and spam like a spray and pray approach. <laughs> I'll reach out to everyone and see who's interested. It's not a great approach, not a great use of your time. It's not a great use of an investor's time. You really should be qualifying leads, essentially. Look at this as a sales process where you are qualifying leads, where you are choosing the best people to talk to, and that will help increase your success rate. That's across the board, not only on industry, but on stage. So oftentimes you have people who jump into VCs and talking to them when they are like series A and you're at a pre-seed or friends and family. You shouldn't be having those conversations with them. You can build relationships, but you shouldn't be pitching them for money because it's not going to happen for you that quickly. And then the second piece, building resilience. So I talk about this all the time. It can be a grind to raise funding. It can be demoralizing at times. It can be really tough. You're going through a lot of rejection. You're getting a lot of hard, tough feedback, really understanding how to build your own emotional resilience around the process is really important and understanding when you're going through that other people are going through the same thing. I think we often just see the end result of I raised $2 million, but what is the story behind that? I know people who've talked to hundreds of investors and took years to get to raising that $2 million. And that's not everyone's story, but just really not trying to compare yourself to other people's end goal and just understand that process is going to be something that you need to build resilience for. Definitely. That's really good. You have to consider it as your own journey that you're going through, that you're making. And you can look to others to see examples of how you might be able to improve, maybe be able to get better, but it's really your own journey and you have to go through it and see it through to the end. So I can't agree more. I like that. And some more information about Funder. How could somebody want to, if they're a startup entrepreneur looking to start their business, can 
they go on to funder? What's like the process they have to go through? That kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So we are currently in our public beta. So we're taking applications. If you're interested, you can go to funder.ai, F-U-N-D-R.ai to fill out our application. It looks long, but it takes about 20 minutes because like I said, it's all quantitative. So it's really quick and easy to answer those questions. And as far as our process, it takes about two weeks for us to make the decision about whether you can raise on our platform or not. And then we'll help introduce you to investors through that. That's great. And if they're investors looking into startups and those kind of things, how can they get started on there as well? Same place. So go to funder.ai as well. We have an investor application process. The reason why we have an application for investors is because we only work with accredited investors currently. So those are anyone who fit the standards for accredited investor. They're making $200,000 a year individually or $300,000 as a couple, or they have a million dollars in assets, not including their home. Or there are some new rules around whether you're officially in investment and or you have a certain licensing. So those are the qualifications for accredited investors. So we ask those questions. And then once you go through that process, then you're able to get access to all of our opportunities. Great. And what are your goals for Funder and the rest of 2022 here? Yeah, our goals are to continue to grow. So we are also a startup. So we're (laughs) kind of meta, we're a startup assessing startups, helping startups. And so we are really looking to grow and continue to learn about the business. So we really just completed a large phase of development a few months ago. So for us, it's about, okay, let's get out into the world. That's why we've released our public beta. We're bringing people on, we're learning insights. We're trying to hit those growth marks that everyone talks about. So for us, it's really about moving to that next stage of scaling growing, iterating over the next couple of months. Awesome. And what are you currently learning? A lot. I feel like I learn something every single day. I'm (laughs) sure you can understand that. For us, it's really, I'm learning a lot about our sales process and really iterating that and optimizing that and tweaking those pieces there. That's a big part of my day-to-day right now. Again, because we did so much development work, but a lot of it as well is like, where do I want to take the platform itself? And what are some of the insights, particularly from that? sales process that we're getting? What are some of the common themes that we're seeing that people are asking for? Does this pricing resonate? Do we need to tweak that pricing? So a lot of the sales process is helping me build a better product as well and a better business. So for me, that's my big learnings and where most of my time is focused these days. Yeah, definitely. Being able to get feedback from your audience who you're trying to sell to, those are extremely important (laughs) and it's so influential on the business, especially when you're starting out. If you're not, I heard this one quote from somebody, I think it was on a podcast. And he said, if you're a startup and you're not talking to 30 people in your audience, at least before you try to like get going, then you have no idea. You need to go and do that now. I thought that was really good. One of my favorite books is called The Mom Test. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how to do that because I also think oftentimes people approach that in the wrong way where they'll Mm -hmm. talk to someone and they'll say, Hey, I have this really cool idea. Let me tell you about it. What's your feedback? You're not going to get actually good sites from that. So this book talks about how to have those conversations in the right way to provide true feedback for you and not sway it in the favor of what your idea is. So I would suggest that for anybody who's doing that upfront early work. Yeah, definitely. And mention that again, just so everybody who's who's listening is, oh, what was that? That sounds really good. It's called the mom test. 
<laughs> okay, great. Awesome. And just to wrap up here, if anybody wants to reach out to you personally, we mentioned before how to get started on Funder, go to funder.ai. But if they want to reach out to you personally and get in touch with you, how can they do? Uh, I think the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. So just look my name up. I usually will take friend requests or if you send a nice note and ask me for something, I'll usually respond. So that's probably the best way to find me. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast, Lauren. It was really great being able to learn about what you're doing at Funder, how you guys are trying to use AI to really help this funding investing space. So I think it's really awesome. And for the tidbits and trainings on what people should be looking for if they're trying to start up as an ecopreneur in their green business. So it was really great having you on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Great. And if you enjoyed learning about all the different aspects of funding and what Lauren Washington is doing with Funder, I invite you to check out this interview with Corey from Balance Capital. He has created an investment portfolio that is really focused around companies that are doing good for the environment. And so if you're not an accredited investor yet, and maybe not yet at the point where you can invest with Funder, but do you have some money that you would like to see to make the world a greener place? Then make sure you check out this interview with Corey, where he has an eco-friendly portfolio that is perfect for you and see your investment dollars go to work for the environment. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity. Yes.